Galatians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 13, and I'm going to read through 16. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Galatians 5, 13 through 16. Turn back with me to Galatians 5 and verse 1. So there's a lot of instruction given through the first 12 verses. But on the first verse, he's going back to the first verse here. He's going back to it as he closes out this fifth chapter. He's going back to verse 1 really is what he's doing. And he's going to show us something here. Listen to what Galatians 5 and 1 says. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And so this is what he is bringing back to their attention. Now in verse 1, he was talking about not being again enslaved to a yoke of slavery, of tradition, of circumcision, or uncircumcision. Now here in verse 13, he says the same thing, but now he's going to talk about the flesh and the carnal desires of the flesh and how we're not to go back to that because we have been set free from that. So what does the grace of God do in our life? I'll tell you what it does. It sets us free from the law of sin and death. It sets us free from the curse of the law, from the guilt of the law. But it also sets us free from the desires and the passions and the sin that dwells up inside or that wells up inside of us. It sets us free from those things. It says that we are called to freedom. You are not bound to your pew. You can actually raise your hand. You can raise it. It says, for you were called to freedom. What is freedom? A state, listen to me, Noah Webster, back in the 1800s, said this. A state of exemption from the power of control of another. Liberty, exemption from slavery. Paul tells us here to the Galatians, here in this text, you were called to freedom. A call to freedom. It's hard to really consider this outside of being spiritually saved, it's hard to experience this because not all of us have been incarcerated. I'm not asking for who's been incarcerated. Don't sh- please don't show me your hands. I don't want to know that. But imagine for a moment being confined in a maximum security prison. I want you to think about it. 
a maximum security prison. In the innermost parts of the prison, you can't get out. Now, a lot of you don't know what that looks like. I've never been into a maximum security prison, but I have been into some prisons and preached. And I know that there's a lot of gates you got to go through with a lot of bars. And there's a lot of buzzing and a lot of clanking. And there's a lot of cold, hard steel with a lot of concrete. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a good place to be. But just for imagine you being that, just for a moment, imagine you being there today in the innermost parts. You can't get out. You're bound behind bars, iron, steel bars. Imagine being guilty for the crime that you committed. You were actually guilty. You were put there because you were caught. You broke the law and you did something wrong. You were put there. You were committed to that place to do your time. And it wasn't just to do your time, but it was a life sentence. You're never getting out. There's no hope for you. I don't care how many lawyers you got. You're not getting out. Think about it. I want you to think about this. You're there because of what you've done. But then you hear something. You hear something that comes over the wall. You hear something that comes through the doors. You hear a voice that calls out. And this voice calls out and it's just calling to you. From outside the walls, loudly, it's screaming at you. And it's saying this, the iron bars cannot hold you anymore. The gates, the walls are not going to hold you there anymore. It has no more power over you. The price has been paid. You are free to go. Can you imagine sitting there on your bed listening to that? Amen. The door is open. The walls of the gate and the bars and all of that are open. Matthew, come out. You are free to go. The crime that you have committed is gone. The guards that keep you in bondage, they're gone. The chains that keep you there are gone. You instantly begin to get up because somebody knew your name and somebody called you and all of a sudden you see your door fly open. Door comes open. You get up, you walk out, you grab your clothes. You gotta, you gotta, you, you change clothes because now you're not in orange or stripes anymore. You change clothes and you begin to approach these other gates and these other doors. And as you approach, you don't even have to touch them. They open for, for you. You begin to walk one after another, after another, after another. And you finally get to the last gate. As you come out, you see the sunshine. And it kind of hurts your eyes because you've been in, in solitary confinement for years. And you come out and you see this sun. And it, and it begins to, to, to hit the retinas. It begins to move in your eyes. Yeah. And, you, and you smell. And as you walk out... 
That last gate, you see it. It opens. And you walk out. And you hear a voice. Matthew. You've never seen this person before, but you know his voice because he called to you from when you were inside. And he told you that he was the one that paid the price for your removal. He was the one that paid the price for your freedom. He was the one that canceled the debt that laid against you. You don't even know who this person is. But he said, you know what? I love this person and so I'm going to remove them from this awful place of bondage. You had the death sentence upon you at once. But now you've been set free. The first thing that you would want to do as you exit the building is go to the person that called out to you. The person that set you free, you would want to go to that person and what would you want to do? You would want to praise them and thank them, right? Hello? I mean, do I have to do this? I can tell a lot of y'all ain't been in prison. (laughs) Don't be telling on yourself, Robert. You would, run a, you would want to run to the person. You'd want to run to them. Yes. The person that gave you that freedom. You would want to go to them and you would want to bless them. You'd want to love them. Yes. You'd want to do whatever you could do for that person. Why? Why? Because they gave you freedom. They took away the guilt. They took away the shame. They took away the humiliation. They took away everything that was stacked against you. They removed. You would recognize their voice and you would be blessed at their presence. And you would tell them thank you. But not only that, you would probably want to stay with them. The second thing you would do as you got out is you'd get as far away from that place as humanly possible, right? You'd get away from the prison that you spent 25 or 30 or 60 years in. Not only would you get away from it, you you wouldn't sign back up as a prison guard, would you? No. You would get away from it. I can see you now in a Jeep with the top off and your hair blowing in the wind. The little that we have, some of us. Because, Willie May, I wouldn't say anything about you, Willie May. I was talking about me and Boo Boo, really, and Jerry, and Jerry too, uh, more than anybody. But, uh, I mean, we would want to get out of there. We would want to leave. We would want to go because we were free. It would, it, we wouldn't even want to see it in our rearview mirror anymore. We wouldn't want to be in the same zip code. Because you know what's in that place. 
You've been there and you've seen the people that are there. And how devious and how wicked the people can be and how once you were there and what got you there in the first place. And so at this, at this removal of, out of you being out of prison, you would want to leave and not be there anymore. You were guilty. But all that now has been removed. You would want to leave and get as, as far away as, poss- as you possibly could. Amen. Look at the text. Paul says, for you were called to freedom. Our Jesus is the one that has called us out of the bondage of the law. Yes, amen. He has called us out from behind the iron bars of the law. Yes. We must understand this. He has called us out from behind these iron bars, just as I was telling you about that person that was in jail. He's called us out from that. Well, guess what? Here's the problem. Man cannot call himself out by himself. He is stuck there, bound there, tied there with a life sentence of death there. The law has proved him to be guilty. The law has shown him over and over that he is guilty. Guilty, 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 guilty. Five times. You can't get away from it. Don't matter how many times you scream at the guards and at the walls and at the bars and at the gates, you ain't coming out. Somebody has to call you out. Life before Christ is that prison sentence of death. But Jesus, being rich in mercy... He's called us, right? He's called us out from the law of sin and death and he has set us free. It's freedom. Jesus has given us this freedom. It would be asinine. It would be crazy, ludicrous, insane. It would be dumb. Let me even say this. It would be stupid for us to go back, to walk back into the prison and say, no, you know what? I was taken care of pretty good here. I'm going to go get myself and lay down with my bunk, my bunk mate and I'm going to stay in there and I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison confined to this eight by eight cell. That's what I'll do. Well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? That would be ludicrous. Insane. No one would do that. It would be just as ludicrous for Lazarus to say, nope, I tell you what, Lord, I think I'm just going to stay right here in this tomb and I'm just going to keep stinking. How about that? Be just as crazy, wouldn't it? Now what happened? The Lord called him, he came stumbling out, and he said, go unclose him or go untie him. He didn't look back at the Lord and say, oh, no, I'm good. Get the stone, pull it back. I'm good. I'm going back in here. I'm going to lay back down and die. I'm going to stink some more. Didn't happen. Didn't happen that way. When he came out, he came stumbling out. And the people untied him. And he served the Lord. Listen to my point. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom. 
Brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Now, this is starting to begin to sound like John a little bit. It's almost like these two guys were kin somehow. Possibly by the blood of Christ. We were not called out of wickedness and bondage and sin. Listen to me. We were not called out of wickedness, bondage, and sin to walk back into it. We were called out of that so we could walk in a new life to serve Jesus Christ. To walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Well, therein lies the problem. Because if we were all spirits, that would be one thing. But we got this to contend with, don't we? Therein is the problem. Brethren, do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The one that called us out. The one that called us out. The one that we're supposed to be walking with. He walks in love, doesn't he? And he served others, didn't he? And this is what Christ exactly calls us to do. A life of sharing love and walking with him. Serving others. Remember, we are free. He has called us out and we are free. Can anybody this morning praise God that you have been called out of sin and death and bondage? Thank you. It seems at times that we forget what he's called us out from. That scary scenario that I painted earlier about prison. He has called us out from that. When we forget that. When we forget where he has called us out from. You know what happens? I'll tell you exactly what happens. We start easing back closer to it. That's right. Amen. We become desensitized to sin. We forget what that dead state was like. We forget how horrible it was. You just don't fall back into sin. No, it's more like Lot. You see, Lot, he set up his tent in the plains where it was good. That was close to Sodom. And before long, after a little while, Lot was living in Sodom. And you see, that's what happens to us. Lot was delivered with Abraham. They were called out from the family, but before long, Lot was living in Sodom. Boo-boo, just like Bible study. I'll give you time. There you go. But we got to understand what happens when we desensitize ourselves to sin. When we begin to not follow so close, we begin to Regress back into that place of bondage. Even though we've been set free, it's like we're standing at the gate saying, please let me back in. Which is crazy. 
It's crazy. It's not all at once, but it happens over time. Where we regress and we, and we go back to that place. We've been set free from that. We've been set free from the, from the dominion of sinful appetites and these passions. We've been called out and now Paul tells us to serve one another through love. Listen to what it says in 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think that I have said that from the pulpit in the last seven or eight months, I don't know, possibly 50 times. If you have bitterness and wrath towards others, envy, that's not loving your neighbor as yourself. Listen to what it says. But if you bite and devour one another, and I don't see us doing that here. I, I, I don't. I, I truly don't. And this is what is unique about Grace Baptist Church. I don't see us biting and devouring one another. But take warning. Take warning. When little issues arise that we have to take care of as a church, take warning not to bite and devour one another. Take warning to examine the heart lest something be planted there that shouldn't be. But because before long, you see it in churches all over the place. That love and that, that communion with one another, that fellowship can be broken and it doesn't take much. It's a fine line in a body of believers to balance. And if it's not centered on Christ, His Word, and the love of Christ, I promise you it can get off kilter and we can bite and devour each other very, very, very quickly. That's why I speak about it so much. Listen to what it says in 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. Verse 16. Verse 16, and I'm done. But I say, Paul says this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Let's break that verse down for just a minute. I'm going to give you one point in this verse and I'll be done. One point. We're going to talk about the verse, then I'm going to give you how to do it. First, understand, to walk in the Spirit means that we have to have the Spirit. Right? The Spirit is not some second blessing that we get just because we we ask and and do some certain things. No, the Spirit is something that we get when we are saved. And the Lord tells us that we are to walk in that Spirit. Just as you walked out of prison to the one that called you at first, that's how we're to walk after the one that called us. Walking by the Spirit. You must first have the Spirit. Second, walking in the Spirit means that it has to be put into practice or our faith is dead. Notice that is the action word. To what? Walk. 
to walk. It means that we're to practice this. Remember, you were called out, not to sit at the gate where you were called out from, but to walk away from it with the one that called you, right? So therein we walk. If we don't put it into practice, the scripture teaches us what is our faith? It's dead. You're called out from prison by the Lord. So to walk in the spirit is to t- stay close to the one that called you out. Amen. Stay close to the one that called you out. And now we're going to look at how we do that. Listen to me, how we do that. How do we stay close? This is, the, this is the question. How do we stay close to the one that called us out? How do we walk close? How do we, how do we walk in the Spirit? We have a new nature, which means the Spirit has given to us this new nature. This does not mean, listen to me, that the stirring up of the lusts of the flesh won't, won't be present in our lives. Who can attest to that? Just because you're a child of God does not mean that you will not have these lusts and passions and desires stirred up in your life like all the time. But what it does mean is that you can subdue them and beat them. And this is what we have to understand. And people are living in bondage because they don't know how to beat them. They don't know how to beat their own lusts and the desires of the flesh. Jesus beat them. He's given us the Spirit to help us do the same thing. We have a new nature. And we have to contend with this flesh. So how do we do it? How do we walk in the Spirit? Is it possible? Can we do it? Yes, we can. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. This past week... I've kept God's word in my ear more than anything else in case you will testify to this. I had an onslaught of just a of just a bombardment of attacks from the enemy from the world from the flesh. Just it's been hard. I had a hard week. Anybody ever have that? (laughs) Anybody ever think about their salvation during their week? I do. Their sanctification. Grieve over something that they've said or something that they've done. I do those things. My flesh is just had war waged against itself, against the Spirit, all week long. I have just been, I'm talking, under constant, and I want you to pray for me, guys. You need to pray for your pastor, because I am, I get it on every corner. It seems like on every corner, everywhere I go, I'm tested, and I'm tried. So I decided to put God's word in my, in my ear. Yes, 
I decided to put God's word in my head instead of my own words, my own heart. I decided to put his words there. I even went to sleep with my, my Bose radio earbuds in. Playing God's word. Took a nap. Casey walked in. I was sawing logs. And my phone was saying, and as Abraham went into a deep sleep, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. She's got it on video. And I'm over there, and she's, and she's like, oh, it happened. And I was out cold. She said, you like listening to the word? I said, I love it. It relaxes me. It calms me. But I chose to place it in my head and in my ear. Because I was being attacked so much and so violently this past week. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. There's power in God's word. There is power in God's word. Playing it over and over. And with that being said, it has kept before my heart a mirror that has reminded me of what sin is. What to avoid and to what's to stay away from. The spirit wells up and it says, no or yes. Right? Children of God can testify to that. I'm not just talking about a good moral conscience because there's a lot of people that have that. They just have a moral conscience. They know, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. The law's there for that. I'm talking about the Spirit guiding us, saying, wait a second, your heart was wrong towards your wife. Your heart was wrong towards your child because of what God's Word says. So, it has allowed me to see sin clearly, what what those sins are, to walk in the Spirit. Turn with me to Psalms 119. Listen to what this says. And Psalms 119 is all about the Word of God. We, we know that. So if you don't, that's what it is. That's about, it's about the Word of God, the commandments, the testimonies, whatever it may be. Turn to Psalms 119. I want to read something to you. So when we read God's word, the spirit wells up inside of us and it shows us these faults and failures and and where we're doing good, where we're doing bad and how to capitalize on things. And 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 it it just it's a it's our moral compass. I mean, it's the the spirit of God just just leads us into the path of righteousness. But he has a way in which he does that. And listen, listen to what it says in Psalms 119, beginning in verse one. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. In other words, his words. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no righteousness. Why? Because they observe his testimonies. They walk in his ways. Thou hast ordained thy precepts, that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep thy statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all thy commandments. 
I shall give thanks to thee with uprightness of heart when I learn thy righteous judgments. I shall keep thy statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Verse 9. Remember, guys, I want you to, I want you to remember this. Pay attention. What did Adam and Eve do? How did they sin against God? They went against His Word, didn't they? They went against His Word. So it's pretty safe to say that if we keep His Word, that we will be in fellowship with Him, right? This is the key. Listen to what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. What happens when you wander from the commandments of God? You end up back at the gate where you were released from. Picking up the ball and chain that he's been that, that you've been delivered from. Listen to what it says in verse 11. Remember, Adam and Eve left the word of God. They fell to sin. And if, they, if they would have kept the law, then or that, that law that God gave them, don't eat, then they wouldn't have sinned. God's word is critical in our life. Verse 11, thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. King James, the words I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against God. Are you treasuring up the word of God in your heart? There's a reason why you may be defeated. Because if you don't know how to handle the sword, you're going to look pretty silly just standing there with it. I trust in God's Word. I know that I'm saved, but I don't know how to wield the sword. I don't know how to move it. The Lord wants us to be mighty men like David's man who who hung on to his sword so long that his hand cleaved to it and it became one with his hand. That's what he wants from us as children of God. He wants his word hidden in our hearts so that we may not sin against him. I'm going to leave you with just one truth right here. And it's this. God's word. I'm not going to get into all of the different things that is talked about here in Galatians. The next part of it. It is this. It's hiding God's word in your heart that you may not sin against God. If we walk by the Spirit, if we walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And one way to walk by the Spirit is knowing God's Word and putting it into practice. Plain and simple. God's Word is critical in our 
life. And I can testify to you, I can testify to you that, that this week when I've put it in my ear nonstop, I've had to charge up my earbuds over and over and over because my children don't want to listen to, to that just, just all through the house and everywhere I go. But I've had to put it in my ear because I've had come under such an onslaught of attacks from the enemy and from my own flesh, from the world that's around me. But when you put God's word in your ear, when you store it up in your heart, and when you treasure it above all things... Seeking it as a precious jewel when it becomes part of your hand and, it, it, and you can't take it out of it when you know how to wield it. There is nothing that you cannot beat. Walking in the Spirit is understanding God's Word and walking in it with Him. Psalms 119 and 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Adam and Eve did not hide that in their heart. Adam and Eve sinned. When we get away from God's word, slowly but surely we'll get back to the gate where we were released from. And we'll be found wallowing again in our own shame and our own guilt. Remember what chapter 5 in Galatians is about. Freedom. Brothers and sisters, Christ has set you free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of slavery and a yoke of bondage. Scripture also teaches that if Jesus has set us free, then we are what? Free indeed. Walking in the Spirit. One way to do that is to heed the Word of God. He has given given it to us clearly. If you're living a life defeated, it might be because your Bible has dust on it. If you can write your name on the cover, there's a problem. We need to take it up and read. Take it up and read. Let's pray.